Welcome to this brand new episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. This podcast is hosted by Mark van Horek and myself, Elias Krum, and brought to you by Marketing Guys, the MarTech agency based out of the Netherlands. Welcome to this new episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast, on which I today have Patrick O'Leary. He's the CEO of Booster, and he is going to explain what Booster does and how he came to be CEO of the company. So welcome, uh, Patrick. Could you explain the audience what Booster does and how you came to be CEO? Yeah, thanks for having me. Booster is an enterprise software company that makes CRM and order management solutions for the media and advertising industry. We help them save time, improve their forecast accuracy and grow revenue. And the reason why we do this is I worked at Yahoo for six years leading global sales operations. And there we had pipeline visibility issues, forecast accuracy challenges, and just simple dif- difficulty doing simple things like figuring out what our salespeople are doing. And we struggled using the, the world's leading CRM platform because it was very generic and not suited for the needs of the advertising industry. And that had me frustrated and I left because I, I wanted to go build a platform that actually worked for the industry and was supported by people from the industry that spoke the language. Cool, and you're successful in doing that. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll share a link to the company booster in the show notes, of course, so people can take a look. But let's first dive into this conversation because CRM is a topic I, I love to talk about, and um, we're having an expert here today. One of the things that I would like to discuss um, is something that I heard on a podcast, uh, Outreach's podcast, uh, by the way, last last week or the week before. Um, I heard Mary Shea talking about CRM, and she made a comparison to to what uh, the modern CRM CRM systems are doing at the moment to what they were actually designed for, and. She's making the statement there that CRM actually wasn't designed for salespeople. Now, it, it's been used by a lot of salespeople nowadays. And I, I always am thinking about that first CD-ROM with the CRM system that I got, ACT, probably back in 1998. People gave me that CD-ROM. You had to put that on there. You had to install that software on your computer. Um, but in, in essence, it was basically what the majority of big CRMs are doing now. So it's... It's a very reactive system, so to say. It's garbage in, garbage out. What you put in there is what 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 you'll get out of it. So, what's your view on that on CRM? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Act, Goldmine, these tools started out as basically a contact Rolodex, mm-hmm. which you know I think if you go back in time, some of the salespeople like that because they could get rid of some of the business cards on their desks. And then, then it morphed into Salesforce automation, or as people in the industry would call Salesforce accounting, which was a way for management to keep tabs on what their salespeople were doing at the detriment of not providing any value to the salespeople. So I think in the, the early days, it, it had a pretty bad reputation. I think a lot of those core uh, capabilities and, and uh, perceptions are still present in the industry today that it's really a tool for management or, or finance or some other group and not really for the salespeople. So I think she's, and this has been a problem for 25 plus years. So um, with all the technology that we have at the moment, um, AI, machine learning, isn't there a way we could improve CRM? 
really, let's say, let the system proactively help salespeople to do better account management, to spot better deals, to help them basically improve or fasten up, fasten up that sales cycle. Yeah, I, I think it, it's it's important to figure out where can you save salespeople time by automating menial tasks. You know, an example is. You know, when somebody gets an email, being able to automatically create an activity, create a contact, extract the signature from the email, that can all be done using machine learning. And what salesperson would love to avoid doing that kind of stuff by, by having technology do it? I think machine learning found a home in those kind of use cases as well as in lead scoring and possibly opportunity scoring. It's, in other areas, it's been very difficult to apply it to some of the more menial tasks or some of the workflow tasks because, you know, the, the, the challenging part of machine learning is those tools are really built around predicting and scoring things. And there's mm -hmm. just not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of use cases where that can be applied. Um, I think it's become more of a marketing um, gimmick than, than a reality for most salespeople. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What, so you are in that CRM space. So what have been the most uh, important developments in CRM the past years? And what do you see happening in the next year in 2022? Yeah, I, the CRM market um, is really interesting. You've got you know the big players like Salesforce.com who have really just become a, a headless system of record. It's really just turned into a database and the ecosystem around them is proliferated with these sales engagement tools, whether they're outbound uh, prospecting management tools or sales collateral and other types of engagement tools. They've, they've all kind of bolted onto this, this central system of record and you know, Salesforce has just become an aggregator um, and that generates a lot of garbage in garbage out. Uh, I think you know, if you talk to most salespeople, the real CRM's on a spreadsheet somewhere where they're actually tracking mm -hmm. what they're doing and who they're working with. Um, that's kind of been the trend of fragmentation, decentralization. Uh, the other trend that's that's alive and well is verticalized CRM, because when you look at these these horizontal tools, they don't match the industry's needs from the data model to the UI. There's a lot of uh, complexity and different requirements if you're selling pharmaceutical drugs to a doctor versus if you're selling financial services or you're selling advertising. The, the capabilities need to be very unique and different. I think that's why companies like uh, Viva, who's mm -hmm. uh, you know a, a vertical player in the pharmaceuticals, has done extremely well. And that that's one of the things we're we're doing here at Booster is we believe that the needs of the advertising community are fundamentally different and impossible to solve with the horizontal apps. And I, I think we're going to see more and more of the large software companies go verticalizing their products. Even Salesforce is coming to that conclusion. So could you could you make that a little more, uh, uh, let's say, or could you? Could we, I'm very I'm a very pragmatic guy, so I'd like to 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 hear some examples there. And um, so so if if you're fo you're focusing on the advertising space and the publishing space, so what's different in Booster from other more generic CRMs? Yeah, so these generic CRMs are built around managing your pipeline with an expected close date where you can forecast that revenue at, at that date. It's almost like you're shipping a widget off a dock. Well, advertising doesn't work that way. There is no close date. There's a start and the end date to a campaign 
And between those dates, you need to know how much revenue might come in per month per product. So we, we work with a lot of podcasters. What, what podcasters see when they launch a new show and they're selling advertising is there's a big spike in downloads that happens in month one and then month two and three starts to taper off. And so as you build a portfolio of, say, podcast uh, series, you need to see, you know, what's that pipeline and the revenue trend going to look like over time so that you can forecast it. And, you know, you also need to know what's available. And so there's a lot of very specific capabilities around shaping the pipeline and then forecasting the revenue. And also in advertising, if you go sell a million dollar ad campaign, you're not popping champagne corks because you're not going to get paid until you actually deliver it. That campaign may not deliver in full. Maybe you only get to recognize $800,000. Maybe you get incremental budget and goes to 1.2 million. The timing of that campaign could change. It's a very dynamic thing. So CRM there is actually a combination of, you know, pipeline of what you're trying to sell, but also order execution of what you've actually sold and when it delivered. And so it's it's a very different kind of business model than selling software or, uh, you know, widgets or anything else where you can just recognize the revenue once you book it. Okay. So very interesting to hear to hear that there's the, the difference between, um, CRMs that that focus on a specific vertical like you do with Booster and the generic ones. And I recognize that from an agency perspective as well. Um, things like recurring revenue that you can't pre- really predict, um, that you have to put into your Salesforce uh, funnel somewhere. It's never actually, so how are we going to put this in Salesforce? Those questions are asked a lot. So it's very recognizable. I think that also leads me to that to the next question. You already referred to it earlier um, by mentioning the ecosystem. Um, a lot of the bigger CRMs tend to turn into all-in-one solutions. So they have like they're like a, a cloud solution, like the Salesforce Marketing Cloud is included into Salesforce. So you have and and HubSpot does this with Sales Hub and CRM and and all the other hubs that they include. Um, Adobe does this, but there's also some uh, best of breed solutions like a, a Marketo, for example, or um, Acton or specific C- uh, CRM vendors or automation vendors. What's your view on that? What is there a is there a, a, a best practice, uh, let's say best of breed or all in one? What, what, what do you think about that development? Yeah, that's that's a. A really interesting question. Um, you know, one, one of the dilemmas is, you know, if you're a, a software vendor, what, what's your strategy? Are you trying to go a mile wide, an inch deep, um, like companies like Salesforce and claim they have everything, and then they evolved into a low-code, no-code platform for the, the buyers to then fill in all the holes and finish the big, basically outsource the development to their customers and the ecosystem to, to build the things that they, they don't want to build. So that's been a very successful strategy for Salesforce specifically. Um, I, I think it's also propped up this community of add-on vendors because now they're able to innovate. Um, I, you know, I've been in this industry for 25 years. I, I do believe that best of, you'll, you'll never do better than best of breed. You know, a company that does like one or two things that can go deep and do them well will always have better features and capabilities than somebody trying to build everything. And I think that creates more innovation in the marketplace, which ultimately is better for the the customers. 
Okay, so um, that always comes with a price. People yeah. will think, right? So a best of breed solution kind of could be you could could dive really into deep into an industry or a specific solution. Um, that's typically more expensive than a generic all in one solution. It probably is. However, if you we we compete against Salesforce, and I'm I'm continually surprised uh, at how much money companies are paying on Salesforce when you add up all the the hidden costs. And so, mm-hmm. let, you know, let's say you buy you're you're using the Salesforce based CRM, you're also using an outreach tool, you're using a marking outbound automation tool, you're using a dupe detector. There's all these add-ons to do things you think Salesforce does out of the box. And while the list price might be $150 a user a month. A lot of companies are probably finding they're spending six, eight hundred thousand dollars per user a month when they add up all the tools to get Salesforce to actually work, which is pretty expensive. And I think, you know, when when you look at these that that kind of the economics and you step back, you're like, what am I really getting value for? What 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 do I really need? And I think a lot of people are finding they they own a lot of shelfware or they they have low adoption. Of, of some of these bolt-on tools because they weren't, they're not very interoperable. And so what appears to be lower cost ultimately may actually be higher cost in the end. We say that all the time. We're able to oftentimes replace four or five other systems with a single platform and we do it at lower cost. And, and our, when our customers tell us what they're paying, we're, we're constantly shocked at how much money we actually left on the table. <laughs> so that business model works uh, for, for that. Love it. You know, it's, and that's that's we 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 you know, I have a lot of discussions with business owners and and um, VPs of marketing etc. That that have uh, well are basically making that decision uh, between a an all in one solution or a best of breed solution, and they're looking at pricing, they're looking at the ecosystem etc. So it's hard. Um, the final question I have for you here is: Let's say um, people would want to move to another CRM. It could be Booster, could be another CRM. That seems like a hell of a job, right? To move or to change CRMs. Is there a best practice or is there a way to, to, to is there a way to go? How do I migrate from one system to the other? Most companies have a very high fear of switching. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they, the switching costs are, are often prohibitive and people making a decision, they, they stay with the status quo. You know, the things they're concerned about are migrating their data, retraining their people, getting the adoption. And some of those are valid fears, some are not. The number one thing I would advise is don't try to recreate what you do today in the new system. That's a recipe for failure every single time. Take the advice of the vendor or the vendor's experts on how to best leverage their platform because they should have some best practices that are part of the reason why you would want to switch. And so we, I, I've, I worked at Siebel for six years. I saw that all the time where people say, hey, I'm migrating from this system to your system and I want to look like this. And we'd say, well, that that's not how we're going to set this up because it'll cost you a bunch of money to configure it. And by the way, it won't work. And then you're going to be configured into a corner and you're not going to be happy a year from now when you tell us to come unwind this thing. That's been prevalent in this, I think, just in the way people think about systems and, and migrating. And the, the other piece is data. 
if you are switching platforms, take the opportunity to clean up your data, dedupe it, cleanse it, get it into a, a better structure, and hopefully fix the inputs as you transition. Otherwise, like you said, there's going to be garbage in, garbage out, then nobody's happy. There's no insights to give to the salespeople. There's no analytics for management. Uh, those are probably the two most important things is don't recreate your mess for less and clean up your data. Thank you. Thank you, Patrick, uh, for being on the Marketing Technology Podcast. I will share a link to your LinkedIn profile so people know will will know where to find you. Uh, they can link you. Uh, please mention that you've uh, uh, heard Patrick on the Marketing Technology Podcast. Um, so he'll uh, know where that request comes from. Um, thank you very much, Patrick. Patrick O'Leary of uh, Booster. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform or iTunes. Also, if you want to be a guest or know someone that should be a guest to our show, shoot me an email on e.crum at marketingguys.nl. Thank you for listening.